Hey, Chris, so I got a uh, joke for you. Oh, gosh. Okay, good. Go. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Zetan. Zetan who? Zetanite. I'm gonna have myself a real good time. And go. No, that was uh, Europe, but we're still good. Hello and welcome to this episode of Say by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast, the show where we only have three minutes to talk about an episode of Ultraman. I'm David. I'm Chris. And, and I'm Bree. <laughs> oh my God, where'd that come from? <laughs> Sorry, we... I beat you to the punch. No, it's it's fine. I'm I'm happy that you stole my thunder. I don't need it anyway. So... <laughs> We are super excited to have our friend Pre on this evening. And believe it or not, that's actually not her real name. But because what? of I, I, I know she she is. How do you I guess? How would you define that uh, when the government hides your identity because you've done some pretty heinous things? <laughs> no, it's my secret identity. If anybody knows who I am, then I have to go back to the land of light. Oh, no. So, Pri, why don't you take a few minutes, just kind of talk about who you are, what you do, what makes Pri, Pri. Hi. So, mostly I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter entirely too much nowadays. But um, I also run a blog called Capes and Cool Scarves. Uh, you guys will probably put a link to it somewhere in this episode description. We might. Uh, and I've been running it since about 2017, I think, at this point. And a couple of years before that, I got super, super into tokusatsu in general, specifically Common uh, Rider, Garo. Uh, I tried to give Sentai a shot, although that's not really my thing anymore. And I started the blog as a way to sort of air out the ideas that I had about it sort of as a newcomer. And then friends of mine on Twitter convinced me to watch Ultraman Mebius. And at, mm. from that point onwards, the blog entirely basically became an Ultraman fan blog. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what most people know me for now is talking about Ultraman. Uh, for my day job, I'm a science teacher, which is another reason why I'm not using my real name on here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've been into Ultraman since uh, since about, actually 2015 was when I first started watching it, but I didn't really consider myself a fan until Mebius in 2017. So I've been in it for quite a few years now, even though I'm not nearly as well-read or experienced or nostalgic for it as other people in the fandom. So, but eh, there you go. <laughs> I'm a giant nerd who talks about Ultraman. There's my introduction. <laughs> Pun intended, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in good company. And, you know, I think you you hit on something that we've really tried to instill here is like, sure, maybe there's other people who more well-versed who have been around it longer but like that really doesn't matter you know i think about like what is it the the i don't know the exact name that we've given it but the parable of the workers where it's like it doesn't matter if you start working in the morning or in the evening like the fact is you're working 
right? So who cares if you've liked Ultraman for 20 years or for five minutes? I mean, you're you're welcome to be a part of this conversation and enjoy what it is. So it really shouldn't matter. So I'm, I'm glad that you don't let that get to you because some people do. So what was it? What was it with Mabius that was kind of the? What was, how was that the catalyst? Uh, so Mabius, for those viewers who don't know, is an anniversary show. It's the 40th anniversary of Subaru in general, and it was made at a time where the production studio was literally going bankrupt. So everybody involved with the production knew that it was going to be off the air, perhaps permanently, definitely for a while, and they said about basically making the best possible anniversary series they could have. So every single part of this series is just absolutely stuffed with appreciation and gratitude and passion about the franchise. And that really shines through, even for somebody like me who knew very little about it. Hmm. The only shows I'd seen before that point were X and Orb. So I didn't know anything about the M78 setting when I came into it, but Boy, howdy, I learned a lot. And like I said, it's just it's impossible to watch that show and not come away with the same sort of appreciation for it that the people had when making it. Hmm. That's cool. I think I think that hits on I think we've talked about this before about what makes a good anniversary season or not. And I think that's I think you've hit it right on the head that the ones that even if you've never seen it, you get it, but you don't like feel like left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was talking about this on Twitter uh, a few days ago, but at the same time I was watching Mebius, I was also watching through Ultra 7, and I found it was really interesting to watch something show up in Mebius and then watch an episode of Ultra 7 and be like, hey, I recognize that kaiju, Mm. or I remember (laughs) that plot, and then vice versa. You see something happen in Ultra 7, and then you see how they do it in a later show. Mm. So it's just as much fun in this franchise to start with a modern series and work your way backwards as it is to start with an old series and go forwards. It Mm. works just as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that as well. Like I feel like with Godzilla, it makes sense to start with the older ones, but yeah, with Ultraman really just start wherever and you don't ever feel like, I mean, even with the Z, there's a lot of references to these older shows that I never watched, but it's one of those things where even just watching those older shows made me appreciate the Z episodes more. I didn't even have to rewatch it. It's just like, oh, I remember that. That's cool. Like <laughs> it should be like that. So, so obviously, maybe this means a lot to you. But would that be the show that like you have the most connection with, or is there another show that just really is like your? No, I would. I Ultraman? would definitely say it's it's Mebius is the one that I have the most connection to. Um, because like I said, it's the one that really got me. I it, it's what really made me appreciate the franchise as sort of this cultural touchstone of sci-fi history. Because before that point, I didn't really get why it was such a big deal. And then after watching Mebius and after watching Ultra 7, it's like, okay, now I get it. (laughs) Now I understand. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you pushed me to watch it. And I'm really bummed that it hasn't been released yet. But hopefully within the next year or so, we can, yeah, (laughs) fingers crossed. This is its its 15th anniversary year, so hopefully soon. Hmm. Well, it it now with everything coming out, like I, with the big pushes for Common Rider and even Shin Ultraman, it seems like there's a lot making its way over these days. So yeah, getting a little more hopeful about it. Well, it's definitely on the docket. It's just kind of figuring out when they release it, right? Because it wouldn't make sense to release ten shows at once. So they've got to stagger it out. You're just like you want your favorite one to be next, and then you realize, well, everyone has a different favorite one. So yeah. 
especially when there's 50 years of history for it too. It's like, yeah. how in the world would we get to all of yours? Especially when you're looking through like the DVDs now and you're just like, wait a second, how in the world am I ever supposed to keep up? Mm-hmm. But that's the fun. You don't really have to just watch whichever it's in front of you sometimes. But so, so if, if Godzilla was the Kaiju in one of these episodes, how do you think this ultra fight's going? Who's winning this one? Kong versus Ultraman. I mean, Godzilla versus Ultraman. <laughs> well, I was about to say, I mean, you guys already had an episode with the giant monkey in it in the last one. So, yeah, that's true. But like, legitimate Godzilla, though, not Jiras, oh, okay. but like, so, you know. yeah. Um, it, dep- it depends on which Godzilla and it depends on which Ultraman. Because the one if from it's the cartoon. G- Wait, Godzilla, the cartoon, like the I left it vague on purpose. Oh yeah, <laughs> dealer's choice. Yeah, dealer. Yeah, I would say let's go with the legendary MonsterVerse Godzilla. It would probably be a two-parter, like the Gomera story was, but Ultraman would win. Okay, why do you say that? I don't disagree, but. It's mostly just the role that they play in the story because, I mean, Ultraman's the hero at the end of the day, so he has to come away with the victory. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can extend that story and talk about the destruction caused or explore the reasons why Godzilla's attacking. Again, like I brought up the Gomorrah episode because that's how I see a Godzilla fight going down where it's more about this could have been avoided if you just didn't antagonize him. <laughs> but Ultraman's still going to win in the end. Yeah. Well, since we all got canceled by all of our Godzilla fans, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Ultraman <laughs> would win. Not even from a story standpoint. I'm just like, I mean, spoiler alert, Godzilla pretty much got his butt handed to him in the new movie anyway. So what? I think Not Ultraman as badly would. as King Kong. <sighs> That's debatable, though. You know, you said that we had an Ultraman episode with Godzilla in it last episode. We also had a Godzilla with Ultraman in it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Jet Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, you know, Robo Ultraman. Oh, I thought you were talking about Minya. <laughs> I'm always he is truly about Minya. the Ultraman. So, speaking Beautiful. of Toku releases, one of these days we're going to get a Zone Fighter release, and everybody will rejoice. Yeah, that would be cool. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. And then, obviously, going through SSSSSS Gridman now. I really want to watch the original as long as it's good subs. I just those subs were killing me. That's the thing on the Toy Eye YouTube page where it's like, I know what you have. I know what you can release to me. I don't want to see Space Cop Gavin. I want to see some of the other Gridmans in. Yeah. But, or the common writers outside of the one hour you aired it the first time. But that's a different yeah. discussion. Well, Chris, do you want to do some house cleaning really quick before we uh, jump into this last arc of Ultraman? I do that more. I do more house cleaning on the podcast than I do at my own home. <laughs> my roommate's listening, going like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> um, so yes, we have uh, Star Star, or it's SWE Three T Madness, which I of course read Star Wars Episode Three Madness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that wasn't the one to get mad about." Anyway. Uh, So they say, a fun ride for old and new fans. I've been into Ultraman for about six years at this point and love seeing new people finding their way into falling in love with it. 
If you're a new fan looking for something to follow as you watch a series, or a longtime fan looking for a discussion from new angles, this show is engaging and hilarious. Oh, and with lots of good insight. Oh, can't wait to see what else is in store. <laughs> you know, we can't either. All right. Well, I think it is time to do this. So, Pre, if you wouldn't mind doing us the honors of starting with episode 31. Oh, boy, I'm so excited. <clears throat> SSSP agent Goto returns to Japan after many years in service of the Bolivian branch, but his behavior and questions about specific details of the defensive capabilities of SSSP headquarters raise suspicions. Meanwhile, Arashi follows up on the report of a strange pulsating plant growing at a fantastic rate. Coronia, as it names itself, announces its people are coming from South America to subjugate humanity as their cattle. The Coronia have developed a technological culture and control human hosts like Goto. I like the fact that they're assertive enough to just name themselves. Like, <laughs> you kind of know in some of these episodes, they just come up with a name or they already knew. But no, the Coronia are like, no, we're, we're going to name ourselves and you don't have a say. Like, that's... That, yeah, I just, it, it warms my heart. My activist It's like heart. in certain Marvel movies when they're bending over backwards to get him to their comic book name. They're like, <laughs> uh, the daredevil? Question mark? White but this one's like, no, 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 we got a name. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I, what really tripped me up about this episode is I'm sitting here listening to the Coronia's roar and I'm like, I know I recognize this one. And it's what ends up being Titanosaurus down the road. So they used a Coronazora for Titanosaurus. So it's like, I know I recognize this one. I'm glad you recognize that because I just wrote in my notes, why does it sound like an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Titanosaurus is the best kaiju in the world in the Godzilla universe. So I was like, I know I recognize this. but And I'm just sitting here like listening to him talk. <laughs> Like, so oh, we're we're starting this last arc here. I mean, how did you all feel about this one? It's it's to me, it's one of the stranger ones out of the nine we're talking about here. I it feels like a much it feels like something that could have devoted much more plot space to because mm -hmm. you have an entire technologically advanced plant blood sucking civilization that lives in South America that apparently took over like the entire country of Bolivia, and they're mm -hmm. undone in like two minutes. Yeah. So it's, what does it's that say very... about Bolivia? <laughs> and if we have any Bolivian listeners, this is the 60s. So things I, I assume things have changed. Yeah, I hope there's no more mind controlling plants. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Like, it's a super interesting plot. And we get more of just like E-Day going uh, walking plants impossible. It's like, do you not remember green mons? Like, we've already gone over this. <laughs> it's like every notice? oh go ahead i just love every like every one of these like with skeptics or people who are like well how could this giant kaiju exist we've only seen 30 other ones <laughs> this one's the unbelievable one did you guys notice anything about the scientist that was studying coronia and got attacked by them later in the episode <sighs> are you talking about like the actor yeah yeah i recognize him he's i mean he's from toho films I just can't think oh, of Oh, well, he is, but he also plays another major role in Ultraman. He's the captain in Ultra 7. He's Kiriyama. Oh, uh, well, I guess Chris won't probably recognize yeah. that, but mm -hmm. I thought he looked familiar. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love the double dipping that ends up happening in these shows. <laughs> At least for me, they're so far apart that I'm going to be like, oh, look, a new, a completely new actor. <laughs> I've never seen them before. <laughs> oh, that's where this whole like stretching to make everything canon. I'm like, I'm so glad we're not obsessed with that. It's always funny to play the drinking game. Take a shot whenever. Uh, uh, oh, shoot. I'm going to have to backtrack on that joke because I forget the actor's name now. <laughs> I feel so terrible. <laughs> well, you said drinking game. Therefore, Edit we're that in. out, please. Oh, that's a good way to make sure it makes it into the final cut. Uh, but, right. Uh, shoot. I, I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Probably because we're recording this late. Right. <laughs> she says this late as if it's like, I guess it is 9.55 for you, grandma. Oh, oh wow. Uh, All right. You ready, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Um, endless counterattack. Agent Pati from the India branch visits the science patrol. Hayata is assigned to take the female agent on a sightseeing tour. Meanwhile, not far away, Zumbalar, a giant incandescent monster, attacks the Onayama chemical plant. The science patrol uses a new fire suppression chemical system to quell the respective conflagrations, but cannot stop the monster itself. Diverted from sightseeing, god darn, agents Hayata and Potty manage to keep pace with the monster in the Science Patrol official car. Eventually, the Science Patrol is able to hold Zumbalar long enough for Hayata to transform into Ultraman, risking being seen by Agent Potty in the process, nearly sacrificing the safety of his alter ego's body. This one's a little more of like the superhero stories that I'm used to growing up with mostly Western Marvel stuff, like the almost threatened secret identity stuff. It makes Trials of Ultraman, the new comic series, a little, like, doesn't seem as far off anymore. One thing I do like about this episode is, like, because, and you guys talked about this in the previous episode, Hayata really is the most boring protagonist for <laughs> Showa era Ultraman. You're not joking. Like, he actually is cardboard. But he actually gets an opportunity to show a little bit more emotion here when mm -hmm. he's trying to protect Potty um, and all that. So that's nice to see. And it's also, like, at the beginning where he's uh, pranks everybody else yeah. in <laughs> order to get the day off to show her around. That, that's something that's kind of unique to his character that I wish got shown off more often in the show. I know. Yeah, only 32 episodes in, he gets a few little quirks. It's like, where was this like 30 episodes ago? Yeah, which that's why you kind of wonder, like, when are these episodes actually recorded, right? Because you know they're not recorded in release order. But yeah, it's it's not to slam like the actor. He's, he's good for what he does, but they definitely don't do a lot with him as a character, which... Kind of makes me wonder, do you do that so that you could feel like anybody could be Ultraman, right? It doesn't have to be some charismatic, super smart, you know, I mean, he is handsome, mm -hmm. but, you know, just kind of <laughs> anybody could be Ultraman. But yeah, I do find it's funny when they're like, yeah, he tells her, hey, you're on vacation. I can't let anything happen to you. And it's like, OK, but if it wasn't vacation, like, it'd be <laughs> if fine. this was business, it'd be like, well, you're fine. <laughs> uh, even funnier, like literally 30 seconds after he says that she gets hit and like flops over. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that's so good. So true. Yeah. Oh, well, it is. yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's just this episode. It's you, you say that the beginning. And I agree with you. This is, to me, one of the most boring episodes out of this set. But, like, mm -hmm. the messaging is super good. 
Like, I love the line. It's like, well, modern Tokyo became a world city at the cost of losing nature. Right. And we're seeing that now. We're like, at least where I live, you know, we see so many apartment complexes coming up and they just keep building and building. My wife, we were driving somewhere yesterday and we're like, I miss seeing the trees. Like it used to be really pretty here. And it's just, oh, now we need another, you know, super bougie apartment complex. Like Mm -hmm. there is a point where there's a cost to doing all of this. And yeah, I guess you could say we benefit from it. But I don't think any of us really think about like the long term effects of this prosperity and affluence that we benefit from. Like, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. That's the most boring one. This is like 80% shots of the SSSSP putting out fires with their VTOL. That's all (laughs) what the episode is. Oh, man. True. Hey, you know what? Someone's got to do it, right? (laughs) All right. Episode 33, The Forbidden Words. Contrary to previous alien beings, I see you getting all excited over there. The being known as alien, is it Mephilus? It's Mephilus. Mephilus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why am I second guessing myself? I know that. Okay. So the being known as alien Mephilus doesn't want to conquer or invade the earth, but rather to possess it for himself. Fuji is transformed into a mindless giant, and a number of horrors from Ultraman's past are revived, all to indim- intimidate the humans into accepting this new arrangement. Hayata himself is paralyzed while trying to transform into Ultraman. Mephilus tells a boy he will grant him anything in the cosmos for the Earth, but is refused. Frustrated, alien Mephilus threatens the humans with destruction, but a fight with Ultraman ends in a tie. Conceding to Ultraman, Mephilus promises to return. This is literally my favorite episode of the entire... Well, I, I suppose that should have been saved later for when we do the awards. <laughs> but this is my favorite episode of the entire series. <laughs> yeah, I I won't do that. Like, I think it's one of the best. It wasn't my favorite, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely like but one of the highlights for sure. I forgot we were doing the awards. We can talk about that later. <laughs> what did you guys think Spoiler. of it? Spoiler. <laughs> it's such a unique take on a villain. Like... Just the wanting to, like, kind of show off and, like, you know, flex his muscles on everyone else. I like that. Yeah. But we've got two whole minutes. We don't want you to, like, cut back. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of space Satans that run around in this franchise. And it's mm-hmm. nice to recognize the OG Mephilus. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. It's Mephilus. Mephistopheles. The writers clearly knew what they were doing. Mephisto confirmed. Role- and even the role that he plays in the episode of trying to tempt the the kid character who i forget the name of now trying to tempt him into giving over the world and essentially selling his soul to him again it's very obvious what they're going for Mm -hmm. to make him as sort of this satanic figure and they do a really good job of it because Mm. he like pretends to be a gentleman but then very deliberately cheats in order to try and like push this kid into it and then winds up using force anyways, even though he's like, oh, using violence is beneath me. I'm not going to do that. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> so it, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just really like how they set him up. So you guys go now. <laughs> uh, Satoru is his name. But yeah, and see, that's how I feel too. Like, So first of all, what's interesting to me is that when they have the round table, I guess, of the different monsters and aliens they recognize Kemer, but Kemer hasn't been in ultraman so ultra q is canon confirmed <laughs> right um but yeah it's 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 interesting to me that mephilus would have been watching the earth for so long 
and think this plan was going to work. Like, why a child? Like, if he would have mm. been focusing, like, why not a businessman? Or, you know, like, there's there's hundreds of other people he could have done. But apart mm. from that, like, one of my favorite lines out of this whole series is, I've come to challenge the human spirit. Like, I love that line so much because I think, you know, this is that kind of antagonist that really just pushes the the science patrol and ultraman to their limits to, i mean it's obviously it's a tie at the end mm-hmm. but really just like why are we doing what we're doing and they're they are protecting the earth and we we see that and just the way that they instill these virtues into our characters mm-hmm. can we talk about how muramatsu leaves hayata behind and then he literally just like falls in her to transform yep <laughs> that was actually my just notes looks at him, just like nah leave him he'll be fine oh yeah like i was typing it i was like they freaking leave hayata there on his own to die they don't even try oh yeah plot yeah <laughs> like i stopped myself i'm like oh yeah oh it's so good i forgot man that, that i should have chosen that one for my award all right oh well all right next time, next time. <laughs> when we do ver- take two in five years <laughs> Oops. Yeah, the return of Ultraman. We do this series again, right? <laughs> All right. Could you read this? <laughs> could you go pray? Okay. Oh boy, I get to do this one. <clears throat> Unleashed from a meteorite that crashed outside of Tokyo, a giant monster of tremendous mass, Skydon, begins to lay waste to the city. The SSSP is ordered to dispatch the beast, but even their most advanced weapons are ineffective. Assessing the situation, the team begins to formulate plans to take the monster into space. The monster grabs Hayata and downs his jet VTOL. Though Hayata is able to transform into Ultraman in time, he also proves incapable of carrying the heavy monster into space. Ultimately, Ultraman, that's a phrase, performs an aerial (laughs) body strike and blows the creature into atoms. (laughs) It's Skydon! (laughs) <laughs> it's the episode, Chris. This is the episode we get the butthole line from. Yes, I know that one. I was sitting there and it's like, do we have to just by virtue of it being the episode, give this one the award? And the answer is yes. But I was sitting there. I was like, hmm, this is kind of. A, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what what if I were to tell you guys that this episode actually nearly caused a fist fight in the writer's room, according to several people? Please, you can spend all three minutes. Please go. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> okay, so as you might have noticed, this is also an episode that involves Akio Jisoji. Mm-hmm. And there was a fight between him and another head writer over how comedic to make the episode. And they felt so strongly about whether it should be just completely a gag-based episode or actually try to have some sort of seriousness that apparently they almost literally got into a fight over, like physical fight over hmm. it. So there's your trivia for the day. And they obviously they ended up going with just completely ridiculous. And I love it. It's one of the best episodes. Yeah. And then the suicide. Like, what? (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. No, I know. It's just, yeah. I remember watching that episode with Jasper and I'm like, uh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whoops. And someone even warned me about it. And I forgot. Did the tonal shift though? I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, this whole episode is just like it's a textbook case on how to keep viewers engaged with creativity that doesn't rely on the monsters. 
right? So it's mm-hmm. the beginning, all the different shots with like the like freaking Hayata drops an umbrella out of the the VTOL or whatever. Like this continual gift from the sky theme, the bird crap at the end. Like it's just so yeah, it's I I don't know why I didn't choose this one for my favorite because it's just uh, maybe that just speaks to how many good episodes we have this time around. It's just That's so very good. true. The multiple fake out endings are my favorite. Yes. There's like three points in this episode where it's like, yay, we defeated the monster. Oh no. <laughs> it's, it's like that meme image. Haha, I'm a genius. Oh no. <laughs> That's this entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's I just, awesome. I, I just love this part of like, just this is such a uh, like a good example of like when the the science patrol gets so focused on Ultraman that it's like mm-hmm. they forget that Hayata just apparently died for the twentieth time. It's yeah. like oh we were no so distracted. Sorry him. for not looking for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think honestly by this point most of the team probably at least suspects that he's Ultraman. Like after the last episode with Mephilus, mm-hmm. Muramatsu definitely knows, or else mm-hmm. I don't think he would have left him behind. But I think most of them have some clue by this point. Science Patrol needs so. a buddy system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just activate Find My iPhone. Where's he at? <laughs> Find my Ayata. Ayata? Yeah. <laughs> uh, ah. That's funny. Yeah, it really wasn't. <laughs> Episode 35, The Monster Graveyard. During a patrol of space in a realm designed the Ultra Zone, where it's like where you get Mount Dew, Ide and Arashi discover a repository of monsters <laughs> defeated by Ultraman and dub it the Monster Graveyard. Back at HQ, a new lunar rocket collides with a creature in the Ultra Zone, and they fall back to Earth. The monster, Sibozu, appears melancholy. Its nonviolent actions indicate it wants to return to its resting place. Both the Science Patrol and Ultraman fail to return the creature to space. Since the monster appears to trust Ultraman, Hayata suggests building a rocket in the superhero's image. First of all, it's for Loco, not Nanandu. <laughs> or at least yeah. Zima or something, right? Yeah. Um, Bang energy drink. Maybe you can answer this, Pre, but if it's maybe a matter of translation... But when they say they the monsters, they were tossed here by Ultraman and are forever wandering the Ultra Zone. Like, how I don't really understand. Like, if they're being tossed, like I I I really got tripped up by that. Yeah, the the phrasing's a bit weird, and I don't know enough Japanese to say whether that's accurate or not. Mm-hmm. I will say that the way that the monster graveyard is portrayed in later parts of the franchise. Um, particularly in the modern day, is it's like where the monsters go after they die. So yeah. it's literally where all their spirits just chill out. Yeah, I just thought so that was that, weird. I'm like, yeah. Tossed. But I, I do kind of, I mean, I don't want to say I like the image, but I do think it's funny where you see all the episodes where we're like, yay, it ended nonviolently. Ultraman took the monster <laughs> to space. And you just imagine him like, yeet. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he the boneyard. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> honestly though <laughs> all of these like he's like getting him with his water stream but then <laughs> they're showing up in the boneyard <laughs> like what <laughs> I I love this episode so much because it really hits on the idea that a lot of these monsters are victims right mm. and like if you really think about it too like how does dealing with this like existential like wrestling because he's living a life he didn't choose but he also would have been dead if Ultraman didn't merge with him 
right? Mm -hmm. So he has that tension of like, okay, I'm I'm glad to be alive, but I don't want to, doesn't necessarily want to be doing this. But the fact that we set this kind of remorse in this first series, which I granted they didn't plan on it being 50 years, right? But that's what I love is that we don't ever lose sight of this. Mm -hmm. This is always something that's present in the Ultraman series. One thing I really like about that showing of remorse, in addition to like them literally having a funeral for the kaiju. Uh, so when Hayata goes off and talks about like, I'm so regretful that things had to come to this. You guys didn't deserve to be killed. He says that as a human and then transforms into Ultraman. So mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting way of showing both sides of him paying respects in that sense. Mm -hmm. That was just one little detail I thought was really, really cool. Mm hmm. Yeah, I can't help but think about um, the connections that Haruki has in Z, the only one that I've seen. But just like thinking about when he encounters the Red King guarding the eggs, and then this it, it's its from the beginning, and that really sets it off in such a beautiful way compared to all the other franchises, where there's this remorse, they're victims, they're not all villains. We have Mephisto, but they're not all that way. <laughs> You're just hung up on Mephisto, aren't you? Mephisto just like the, the rest MC. of Twitter. Mephisto is the Marvel Universe. This is Mephilus. Wait, did something happen I... on Twitter today? Yeah, Mephisto was confirmed for Falcon and the Winter Soldier in Loki and She-Hulk. I'm totally joking. Uh, I was like, what? <laughs> I would not be surprised at this point, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm seriously off Twitter. Like, you, I've blocked all no, these no. news sites. So I was like, okay, if something actually <laughs> happened... <laughs> you would have known. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Episode 36. Don't shoot, Arashi. Captain Muramatsu, Arashi, and Fuji visit Children's Hall with its huge domed ceiling that looks like the actual sky. Suddenly, a bright light penetrates the dome, sending pieces of concrete falling. Generated by Zoragus, a monster that rises from underground, its rays temporarily blind Arashi. Muramatsu's Operation Ultra Cross downs the monster, which molts its shell and becomes more violent. While rescuing several children trapped in the hall, Hayata is incapacitated. Arashi uses Ide's new weapon, the QX gun, to save them, but is saved by Ultraman. During the battle, Ultraman is blinded and then is saved by Arashi. <laughs> I paused this episode so many times to watch Eric Andre skits because I was bored. Hey, I wasn't sure where that sentence was going. <laughs> right. This is the one that, like, I know a lot of people like, and I just don't. I just, it's not a bad episode. It's just, doesn't work I for feel me. like this plot is done a lot better in a lot of other Ultraman episodes past this point. Like, this is what Arashi goes through here is very typical of what happens to Go, who's the main character of Return of Ultraman. So it, this one doesn't read as well in retrospect, but I do appreciate them trying to give Arashi some character because he's mm -hmm. gotten he he hasn't got a chance to do anything before this point. <laughs> no, so yeah, it is. A, it was a strange, like almost smashing on the pause, like hitting the brakes before the end of the series. If this had like another ten episodes after, it would have felt different. But since I knew we were approaching the end, I was like, whoa. This is how we were sending this one off. Yeah. It I actually disagree because I think the main conflict here of the idea of having to do what's best to protect other people and mm -hmm. sacrificing yourself ties in extremely closely to the next episode, but mm. also the finale. So 
I 100% understand why this is here. I just agree with you guys that the pacing and the plotting could have been tightened up a little bit. Yeah. And that's it is like the idea of the episode is great. But then mm -hmm. like there's just it's a writing things, I think, for me. So at the beginning, you know, like I wrote it down. I was like, after a certain point, like, shouldn't they just assume it's going to be an alien or a monster anytime something weird is happening? Like, it's just this like continued feigned ignorance of, oh, no, something weird's happening. I wonder what it is. Like, I mean, I know that, but like, I kind of get tired of episodes starting out like that, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, Arashi's like, you know, what do I need to do to... I mean, really, like he had a responsibility there, right? And then Fuji being like, you know, acting reckless is what weaklings do. Like, I don't agree with her, but like, I, I, I don't know. It's there's there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I think I it's just execution. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. I do appreciate that they didn't make him like a complete idiot mm -hmm. because what he ends up disobeying orders for is specifically to protect the children that Correct. they're trying to rescue Correct. and Hayata's life. So he has a reason for it and it basically puts him into an impossible situation and forces him to choose between two really bad things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that is something good for that. Absolutely. But yeah. And there's the question of like if Ultraman's leaving, even if they don't know that, is humanity prepared to protect itself, like with the gun? And does the gun work? Well. Yep. Episode 37. A little hero. Thought dead, the gentle pigmon suddenly appears in a Tokyo department store. The police call the SSSP, who are surprised and happy to see their old friend. Urgently trying to communicate, the SSSP call in Professor Gonda to decipher pigmon's language. This data, fed into a prototype monster translator that Ide has been developing, reveals shocking information. The omnipotent Geronimon... <laughs> Plans to revive 60 monsters to attack Ultraman and the so SSSP specific. within hours. To initiate a first strike, Pigmon leads the team to Mount Oiwa? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Where they encounter the first pair of revived monsters, Duraco and Telazdan. They had to kill Pigmon again. <laughs> yeah, they, they keep, look what they've done to my boy. Uh. It's it, it literally is a running gag by this point that anytime Pigmon shows up in an Ultraman show, he's probably going to die. <laughs> so it's SpongeBob me. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> Spoiler, though, I'm glad X turned that on its head, though. Yes, that was a very good subversion. X is not going to give it to you. No, <laughs> X is not going to give it to you. <laughs> oh, I could kiss you on the mouth right now. Uh so the dolphin professor, huh? Like, how would you like that to be your legacy? <laughs> At least he has a he has a poipus. Well, may <laughs> I am gonna log off. <laughs> uh, just shut your blowhole. <laughs> Hopefully, after this, he'll be the pig mom professor, so he can at least get some alliteration in his title. Right. Now. Yeah, like the new Professor Oak, a Pigmon professor. Oh, no, man. but seriously, I think the best episodes in this stretch are ones that really try. Actually, the best episodes of this series in general are really ones that try to build empathy with monsters. Mm -hmm. And having Pigmon like be an honorary member of the mm. SSSP is a really cool way of doing that. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Yeah. Also, can we talk about Pigmon's lashes? 
they're so lush. Like I called them eye lushes because they're that oh lush. Gosh. <laughs> Seriously, they're so creepy. They're just like brown. They don't even cover his whole eyes. It's just like part of it. Like it's it's disgusting. So they're so full. Though. Yeah. I um I also really like the conversation between Hayata and Ide here. And mm-hmm. in some ways I think I've interpreted as Ultraman himself talking to Ide and talking about how to work with humanity and how humanity takes, uh, you know, responsibility for their own protection and contributes yeah. to it rather than just standing by and letting him do all the work. So it, it's a conversation and it's a question that has shown up so many times throughout the entire franchise and even into Ultraman Z that it's really cool to see how they play it out here first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a completely different note, was anyone else trying to do the math and figuring out how there were 60? <laughs> uh, maybe Ultra Q monsters would be my guess. Maybe there's 60 that way. But, I mean, five red kings. There's gotta, yeah, there, yeah, there's got to be other kaiju in this setting that we just haven't seen on screen. Yeah. He's just like, I know where a couple of them are. <laughs> but Back CD alleyways. <laughs> the monster translator getting Pigmont's fashion tips, though. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. <laughs> he has his own editorial in the New York Times. Oh my gosh. Oh. They need some good writers, though. Okay. Okay. Was. Is this next one supposed to be Spaceship Rescue Command? Yep. Okay. Rescue. Like, I read that and it's like, is this a Japanese thing? No. Anyway, that's, that's me. Um, you know, rescue it's right. like raccoon. Oh my gosh. Let's doom. Okay. <laughs> All right. So episode 38, Spaceship Rescue Command. The Nippon Astronautics Space Agency has been monitoring their unmanned prospector probe on the planetoid designated Q. Suddenly, the monitors flash with an extremely bright light. The disturbance has also affected the V-2 space station, which has gone silent. The science patrol sorties in their new spacecraft, Shiratori, and finds the V-2 crew temporarily blinded. Their BM views, the key component of their reactor system, must be replaced within 24 hours or it will go critical. The closest source is the prospector on cue, but the timing is tight. As science patrol agents prepare to land on the planetoid, the team witnesses two monsters, Kayla and Saigo engaged in battle. Three questions. First of all, why did they name a kaiju Kayla? <laughs> Secondly, what is with Showa era Ultraman episodes and people getting blinded? <laughs> and third question, why is the solution to any problem that SSSP has is for Ide and Arashi to go, hey, I got this new gun I just invented. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I have the answer for the first one because Kayla's basic. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Kayla is a basic white kaiju, okay? (laughs) Pumpkin spice latte kaiju. Um, It... It blows my mind. I, I, I say that that's overstating the fact. I just love that it starts out, everything's running smoothly, and then all of a sudden, boom. Like, yeah. that, I will never get tired of that trope. It's just like, you know what's going to happen. You know it. You said it. You spoke Sometimes it when existence. I'm just sitting in my desk, normal life, I'm like, what a normal day. I hope it stays normal. And I just kind of look around for a few minutes, hoping. And then you get fired. 
<laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I can answer. Since David took your first question, I'll take your second. They are all blinded by the land of light. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're blinded by the kaiju. I know. David, David would, have, would have sang that if it was his turn. But. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're trying to do. Um, Thank you. It's okay. So we all recognize the ultra cute opening sound, though, for the eye flash, right? I, mm-hmm. I love when they reuse stuff like that. But I love monster fights. Like, not Ultraman monster fights, but I love these episodes where they just happen upon monsters fighting. Like, it just, it feels so natural, right? If you just had two monsters next to each other, they would beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. So, coming into that, like, okay, yeah, that's that's plausible. Like, I, I believe that. Yeah, this idea that you're just going about your normal business and there's a kaiju fight going on over there. Like, yeah. yeah, okay. You ever been in downtown Chicago? Yeah, there's just people fighting. It makes sense. That's just how it goes. That's the plot of King Kong versus Godzilla, I think. It's just somewhere over there the kaiju are fighting. <laughs> are you ever uh, are you ever gonna say that movie title right? No. No, I know. <laughs> Cause I know you're always talking about the new one. It's never about the sixties one. No. So speaking of giant monster movies, I really like when Ultraman episodes basically feel like a B cheesy sci-fi mm-hmm. horror movie but stripped down to 30 minutes worth of material yeah because that's really where those types of things shine when you mm-hmm. just got a cool concept you've got a couple cool sets and you just run through the plot long enough to actually establish it so i really like how straightforward this episode is yeah yeah and it, it sucks that like this is the first space episode we have. not just flying around right they're actually on a yeah. planet even if one scene it's light out and then it's dark the next one but whatever i'll (laughs) overlook that so (sighs) we're here already all right i guess it has almost been an hour of recording so i guess that makes sense (laughs) oh i thought you meant like we're here in like the terms of the series no i know or tonight yeah it's just we're at the last episode farewell ultraman and so apropos yeah ultra sad Okay, so more than four decades of unsolved flying saucer sightings are revealed to have been advanced scouts of the alien Zeton race. After destroying all orbital satellites, very definitive, the Zeton mothership and her escorts advance on Japan, while Muramatsu, Hayata, and Arashi and Ide sortie against the Armada, an invader disguised as Professor Iwamoto attacks Fuji and sets the SSSP's command room on fire. The mothership appears, unleashing Zeton, the space dinosaur. After a great battle, the creature defeats Ultraman. The day seems lost, at least until the real Professor Iwamoto repairs. Ultraman's colleague, Zofi, arrives to heal Ultraman, but that is not his only mission. Ultraman's time on Earth has come to an end. He separates Hayata from the Ultra and returns Ultraman to the Land of Light in the Nebula M78. The Earth, for now, is safe. (sighs) I know I joked about their solution to every problem being Ide pulling out a bigger gun. <laughs> so the one that literally causes Zeton to explode into tiny bloody chunks mm-hmm. is a very, very tiny gun. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that It ending. works though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's... I will say the ending of the fight is fairly anti 
anticlimactic in my opinion, but the actual explosion is worth it. So I can overlook that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, I never noticed the first time around Zetan targeting the color timer. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, how do you guys feel about this being the last episode of the series? Well, I think I think to pull on one of Priest's points from earlier about like watching series out of order and getting better appreciation for them, mm-hmm. like seeing this one, how how much Ultraman struggled against the Zetan, and then in the Absolute Conspiracy when they're facing like nine or ten of them at once, it gave me a better like context for how bad that fight was. But um, I was kind of sad, even though. I know we're going to revisit this series in the return of Ultraman. It was still sad. (laughs) I've seen this episode like eight or nine times at this point. It's just one of the things I keep coming back to because there's so many cool parts of it. Uh, The fidget spinner alien ships, (laughs) the alien infiltration plot, the fact that the alien Zeton is different from the monster Zeton and the alien Zeton literally is just a Kemmerman mask that is turned sideways. Yeah. There, but more than that, like seri- on a serious note, the scene with between Ultraman and Zafi again is such a defining part of the franchise mm-hmm. that has really defined the tone, the purpose of Ultraman, their mission, how they're viewed, both in universe and within the fandom and people who watch the show. Mm-hmm. It's it all started there, and it's stayed so incredibly consistent over 55 years since then it's really incredible to see honestly just how well those tones those themes about you know wanting to protect peace on earth sacrificing yourself for individual lives still carry over today Hmm. and zafi is the best ultra brother and i will hear no arguments (laughs) about this from anybody i don't want to see comments i don't want to hear anything from you guys and i am done we'll share the we'll share your twitter handle just so we can not comment come at me i mean i wasn't gonna argue but that just feels like an invitation so uh i'm just gonna say this you have made this show a lot more serious than we intended so (laughs) in a good way yeah no i know all right it's awards time yeah Okay, so since we definitely feel God in this Chili's tonight, let's go ahead and start with the most beautiful Kaiju Award in Pre, if you could start us off. Um, this one, Okay, so this one's hard because there's a lot of really cool alien concepts in here. I have to go with Siobozu. It's It's so cute. It just <laughs> wants to go back to its home in space. And but it's too timid to do it itself, so it just mopes around on Earth. And you know what? Big mood. Mm-hmm. So Siabozu is my nomination for the most beautiful kaiju because he deserves the world. See, that's so funny. So some of these episodes I have like there's some competition, but these this two, he and um Geronimon really just oh my gosh, like it's like it's like if you got if you got me a kaiju lizard and then like put some like party decorations on it, kind of dress it up as a Gerudo from The Legend of Zelda with the big <laughs> red hair and then gave him a Santa beard. Everything about him. I was like, I love this. Where was this one in Z? Where? Why is he not in all everything also? Like whoever was like putting that was like 
like every time they put one more element on, they were like, okay, more. They're like, well, we just gave it a beard. What else is it? More. Then they gave it the feather cap. And he's just like, I'm not going to rest until this is the silliest kaiju on the series. And then they called him Geronimon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to go with Siobozu, too. I mean, you, you said everything I was going to say, which is fine. I, that just means I agree with you. But, yeah, it's just, again, that sympathetic monster, someone that, like, he was just literally floating through space and he gets hit by a rocket. I mean, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I would feel I would be sad, too. And when he's on, he climbs up the, the skyscraper and tries to fly. Mm. Mm, yeah. 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 So see, Bozy, you got my heart. Yeah. All right. Monster Graveyard Award. Chris. <laughs> I So there were two in this episode that I was like, there are two awards that I think we have to give to the episode it was named after, isn't it? Because <laughs> this one has the literal monster, monster graveyard. graveyard yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, Bozu doesn't die in it. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm going to have to go for the Zeton, just for, like, the where it was in the show, the actual effect of what happened to it. Yeah. <laughs> but. So, actually, question then. If he was floating in the monster graveyard, was he not dead? Hmm. Good question. Well, he was just yeeted, but you know, survived okay. the yeah. throw. I guess, yeah, being yeeted doesn't mean you're being killed. So, I, yeah. the way that I interpreted it is that he got thrown out of some other planet, mm -hmm. like beaten by another Ultraman and thrown into space, <laughs> and he's just chilling out there now. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna go with Zeton, but I was really thinking about the way that Ide just completely demolishes Duraco with that mm. new weapon. It's absolutely like just how the way he disappears is just so structured that it was disturbing to me. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, if you can do this, why aren't you using this the rest of the show? Like you could just, you don't need Ultraman anymore. You just, yeah, you know, all these, yeah, blows my mind. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Duraco there with the uh, Geronimon episode. Mm. I had two very close contenders one of which was Skydon, the way it just kind of explodes into red <laughs> mist at the end of the episode. Yeah. But the one I have to go with is actually Kayla from uh, episode 38, Spaceship Rescue Command, because like Ultraman does this weird telekinetic thing where it like lifts it up with its mind and then again chucks it and then it explodes. And just the absolute, completely extra spectacle. There was no reason for him to have done that. Mm -mm. He just did it because it mm -hmm. looks cool. So I have to go with that. Yeah, it's a social distance <laughs> killing there. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Aim for its butthole award. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm on. How the heck did he get away with that award? I just got yeah. so, so excited about buttholes. Okay. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad I can go first here because the spoon gag. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just iconic. I, I saw pictures of that before I ever started watching Ultraman. So just it's so iconic that oh sorry I interrupted you. No, you're good. As I was about to say, it's so iconic they actually reused the gag in Max with the same actor. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, come on. He's friggin' holding a spoon up in the air. Like, how could anyone be upset about that <laughs> or not choose that? So have to go with the spoon. My spoon is too big. <laughs> my spoon. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, okay. Oh, I'm next. Um, 
for me, it, it's uh, the Mephilus episode where Muramaz is just like, yeah, no, he'll be fine. And <laughs> yeah, then literally falls over. 30 seconds later, he, while he's still posing, just <laughs> flops over. And then when he hits the ground, then transforms. Oh, yeah. That is something that always makes me crack up laughing. Yeah, Mephilus really shot himself in the foot with that one. Like, he could take in the beta capsule away. He knew what it was. So It's not a challenge if you don't take the capsule away. Well, that's a good point. But yeah, I did have to stop because that was funny. So I had to pause the episode so I could keep reading the next lines. So I had to pick that one too. So now we can get to the butthole. I know yeah. we've all been waiting for it. I know. I know. <laughs> I just, I jumped the gun there. Uh, Pri, what did you got? There is no other possible contender because every single part of the Sky Dawn episode is absolutely hysterical out of context mm-hmm. like you can take any clip from that episode and it would be equally as likely to win this as the actual line that's so true yep that's so true yeah mine's from that episode too but not that line what'd you pick uh thank goodness aside put your pillow back <laughs> <laughs> followed by the backwards uh science patrol Outfit. Oh, was, oh yep. yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. <clears throat> You've probably all guessed my favorite episode. Um, no. What did you choose? It's, of course, a little hero. Oh, if well, okay. Yeah. You could give me a whole series, and it's like called Ultraman Pigmon, and it's just Pigmon. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Here I am. I'm watching. I'm tuned in. Oh, man. If only we could uh, get you some subtitled version of Kaiju Steps, you would love it. <laughs> I'll learn I'll learn Japanese to watch this if it's got my boy. Oh, it does. <laughs> oh, yes. That's adorable. It's amazing. You can't see it, but I literally have a mug with Pigmon on it oh. that I'm drinking and out of right Metron, now. And there's Metron. I didn't see the others, but that That's was awesome. Oh. Let's see. So we got Metron, Red King... Uh, Gomorrah, sorry, Gamora, uh, <laughs> Ella King, King Joe. I'm interested to see if you actually know all of them. Uh, Busca, Zeton, Canagon, Ultraman, and Bolton. It's the coin guy. <laughs> the coin guy. <laughs> Yay, you win the prize. <laughs> I love Busca, though. I, uh, I won't spoil anything about his appearance in the Ultraman series, but that was such a good episode. <laughs> the most powerful monster in Ultraman. Yeah, he deserves it. I'm just saying. Okay, so you did a little hero. Pre, what did you do? So you guys talked previously about there's a difference between what the best episode is and what your favorite is. Mm-hmm. The best episode of this batch is the finale. But as I've already said, my favorite episode is the Mephilus one. It's just it's it's such an interesting alien invasion. Mm-hmm. And there's so many good memorable lines in it that, again, really make you stop and think about like, oh, you know, what if this were to actually happen in real life? Yeah. So that that's why I like that one. It's the one that stuck with me for the longest. Yeah, I, I think, it, to be honest, I think it was really close for me because of those reasons. Like there's such a, really, there's such a warning in that too. You know, I mean, the, what what are we not tempted by, right? What would we not be willing to give up for some kind of progress or 
possessions in life. And I think we all have to make that decision of, well, what would we actually do? You're right. Because maybe it's not methless, but there's a lot of things out there vying for our subservience, so to speak. Mm. So yeah, I did Monster Graveyard. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's such a, to me, I, I feel like that sets the tone for some of my favorite parts of the Ultraman series franchise, so to speak. Just the idea that like monsters are not inherently evil. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's so many different episodes of, I mean, it was, there's was stuff in Mabius. I mean, granted, you didn't really have stuff in Nexus as much, but you had some characters in there where that still played out too. Um, so yeah, I just, I love what that introduces into the series and I love that they keep doing it from then on. And again, Cibozo is just great. So I can't, uh, can't not choose. Um, so I know we're doing favorite episode of the series. And even though you haven't been on for all the episodes, unless you've been stalking and lurking in the shadows, but <laughs> with, you know, uh, the Methless episode being your favorite Chris, what would you say your favorite episode of this series has been? <clears throat> Surprising no one. It's the first appearance of Pigmon. Not That's... only because he's amazing and I love mm-hmm. him, but because it's actually just a fun episode in general. Like mm-hmm. you get the really high stakes of the Red King, but also like um this whole this whole idea that like not all of the kaiju are against humans. They can actually yeah. have like pro-human hearts like it it's such like the series is already fairly nuanced even by the time we got that was like was that last episode or was it two anyway it doesn't matter i think like second episode no it was first episode it's just it's like the series is so nuanced but that was such a fun like it just put so many layers into the series Mm -hmm. and the fact that the character became so memeable is just like a fun side effect of um that how that all worked out but honestly just the way that it all like, not all kaiju are enemies. Sometimes they can work with us. Sometimes we need to learn to work with them to save ourselves. I just, there are so many cool themes that I think are unpacked and explored throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And not even just like Ultraman, but the whole entire franchise. So, yeah. Give it the credit. As it deserves. I went with the rascal from outer space. <laughs> I love Gango. Like, that is just such a fun episode. It was really between that and Human Specimens 5 and 6. But I just had to go with one that I feel like I would just put on just to have fun. Like, there's a lot of episodes like that, but if I had to choose out of my four, so I had Shoot the Invader, Rascal, Human Specimens, and the Monster Graveyard, like, I would choose Rascal over those, like, no questions asked. So I... uh, I will say it does hurt a little bit with the trials that Matt Frank cover. He's just punching Gango. That that hurts my heart. But I still bought it anyway. Yeah. I wondered why you went for the variant, but that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, it was just kind of support. Someone's like, oh, I actually know who drew this. That's cool. So why not? Bible. All right, Chris, you know what we're waiting for. Well, okay. So obviously the easy, the easy one uh, would be like talking about talking about Zafi as Jesus. You know, we we are Ultraman. We are beaten down by the trials of the world. We are beaten down by invaders from beyond our own capacity, and we are waiting for someone to come from the heavens to save us, to heal us, and to bring us back to where they live. 
It's like Zelfie is like the second coming, right? Like Ultraman meets him in the clouds and they go back to the land of light together, just like we look forward to Jesus' return to take us to the new creation. But I have to talk about the monster graveyard in the context of Ezekiel 37 where the prophet Ezekiel is brought to this place called the Valley of Dry Bones, where there's a bunch of dried out bones of dead Israelites. And God and Ezekiel have this conversation. He's like, Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live again? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know, you're God, you know. And God's like, well, tell him to come back to life. And Ezekiel's like, sure, I can do that. So he speaks and all the bones come together and the sinews are reborn around the people. And Seabozu is just like the dead bones in the valley where he is a collection of bones that has life again and all they want to do is live their life in peace all they want but there's always these foreigners fighting them so i have to go with the monster graveyard it's the valley of dry bones <laughs> oh god <laughs> that's why i wait till the end because there's no way there's no i can't recovery. top that <laughs> No, I'm just like, I, yeah, this is, yeah. So, Chris, if you wouldn't mind, what are we doing next? Yeah, we're going into Ultraman Ginga. And this one will only be, this one won't be a full 10 episodes. Mm-mm. So. Do you know why we're doing that? Probably, I'm guessing it has fewer. Yes, quite a bit fewer. It's got 12. <laughs> so, next two episodes will be in Ginga. Which I have literally looked nothing into this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna find out where to watch the first episode, and that's gonna be my interaction with it. Um, my only thought is that I'm kind of guessing it might be nature themed, because there's a there's a Sentai team Ginga Man, which is a nature themed Sentai team. So I'm just hoping that Ginga means nature or something. <laughs> I'm gonna be that guy to Google this. <laughs> you want me to actually tell you what Ginga means? I think it means yeah. galaxy, right? It does. Oh, okay. That's what Interesting. So Ginga Man is the galaxy Sentai. Okay, that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, we're doing episodes one, Town of Falling Stars, to episode six, The Battle for Dreams. And Pri, do you have any unspoilery thoughts about the show in order maybe just to kind of not to color Chris's expectations, yeah. but this is a, this is an interesting one to talk about, and I'm very interested to in seeing your reactions going directly from the first one to well, actually, this ties into what I said earlier. You remember when I said earlier that Mebius was made when the company was going bankrupt? This was the first series that they made when they came back from bankruptcy. Hmm. So between Mebius and technically Ultra 7X, but whatever, different time slot. <laughs> but between Mebius and Ginga, there was no Ultraman on TV. Uh, so during that time, like they were trying to get, you know, financing and sponsors and stuff back. So Ginga is their first effort at doing what we call now the new generation of Ultraman heroes coming back from again, something that nearly destroyed the company permanently. Mm. So keep that in mind when you're watching. Ginga's a little bit hated or love it because of the fact that it's their first attempt at trying something new. I genuinely enjoy it. And um, it's, oh, hey, David, you're watching SSSS, whatever, <laughs> Gridman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ginga has the same head writer. Yeah, Hasegawa. Hasegawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. Yeah. 
You couldn't really tell, but it is the same, same, right? At least not in, in terms of like the themes and tone between the shows. Yeah. But yeah, and that's, that's kind of my thought about Ginga without saying much is it actually is well written for what it is. It's just working with the budget, like everything is. And if you have those proper expectations, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I'm interested in seeing what you think about it. Because like I said, I genuinely like the show. But again, it for better or for worse, it's defined by those limitations. Yeah, It does some pretty cool things with the limitations. And in other places, it's a lot more obvious. All right. So... Well, wait, sorry, David. Yeah, one go. more question. Um, since this one was available on Tokushoutsu, how how can everyone who's going to be watching along with us, where, where is that going to be found for Ginga? So this one is, this is what kind of sucks is about setting up all these episodes and shows around streaming accessibility. So Crunchyroll and Tubi decided to take down a bunch of shows and Ginga was one of them. But... Unlike Ultraman Nexus, which you can't watch legally anywhere else, uh, you can watch Ultraman Ginga and Ginga S, which we'll discuss after. Uh, you can find it on Movie Spree or you can purchase it through Mill Creek. So it's not necessarily streamable legally, uh, but it is super cheap if you go through really any third party uh, retail company to purchase it. And I would say the majority of people who are listening have probably seen it anyway. Uh, but if sure. you haven't, yeah, I would say go through, you know, whatever online online retailer you use to purchase it that way. And the Mill Creek and Movie Spree release of it has both of the seasons, has Ginga and Ginga S along with the specials and movies that go with it. So you really do get your money's worth yep. for paying for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Bree, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yes. Definitely had a blast wrapping up the show with you. Uh, wait, not the actual podcast. Uh, so, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind, yeah, it's like, okay, we're just going to tank another podcast. Uh, we're moving to Common Rider next. So, that'll last an episode. More, you'll probably get more viewers doing that. Oh, I believe it. But uh, <laughs> take a moment, plug yourself. I know you talked about your, uh, your, your blog already, but where can people find you online? Uh, kind of maybe give some people a hint of what we're going to be talking about after this episode, which will be airing a week after we're going to have a little bonus episode. All right. So, uh, like I said, you can find my blog. It's called Capes and Cool Scarves, uh, WordPress blog, or you can just type in Capes and Cool Scarves and it should bring it straight up on Twitter. You can find me at sunglass pre sunglass P R I. Uh, that's my tag. And that's pretty much the only social media that I use nowadays. So if you want to ask me more questions about Ultraman or Toku in general or anything else, you can check that out there. Uh, The other thing that I post about on Twitter and that I occasionally go into on my blog is the fact that I am a dedicated Roman Catholic. So I try to tie in some theological insights as well into what I talk about with Ultraman and with other shows in general. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. That, that would be the bonus thing that you guys wanted to talk to me about. Yes. And we might talk about Cluck and Buck a little bit more, but we'll see. <laughs> I can't contribute to that, unfortunately. No, I know. So uh, maybe we'll talk about Godzilla vs. Kong and Chris can just put earmuffs on. but Because you're lazy and you still haven't well, watched any of the King other movies Kong yet. We're talking about King Kong vs. Godzilla. I've, you know. <sighs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. While it's easy to get caught up with reviews and such, we really just want to hear from you. So whether it's sharing your thoughts on an episode we covered, 
if we made an egregious mistake or you just want to chat, feel free to send us an email at atrociouspod at protonmail.com or head over to atrociouspod.com where you'll find our contact form for listener feedback or even prayer requests. Until next time. (laughs) 